Then the body was let dry for, I quote, 40 days, just like the Bible. Uh, and this isn't a biblical uh, site here that I pulled this information from. 40 days, and then once the body was completely dried out, the wrapping of the body began. And so we see that the biblical 40 days for the embalming process explained to us in Genesis chapter 50 fits with the evidence that we know of from Egypt customs back in the day. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Well, it is a, a blessing to be with you. We're going to be closing out the book of Genesis tonight, Genesis chapter 50, and I have a little bit of a review in the book of Genesis for the final teaching. All right, I'm going to open us in prayer and we'll get into the teaching of God's Word. So Father, we thank you for this night that you've given us a time to gather together to worship you, to look into your Word. And we thank you, Lord, for this study in the book of Genesis. And Lord, the book of beginnings and so much that we can learn from the book of Genesis really sets up all that follows in the Bible, giving us an understanding. It's not like we read the book of Genesis and then move on. We often refer back to the things that we have learned in the book of Genesis, as we will see tonight in the review that we do of the book. Lord, these are foundational truths that you have allowed us to learn afresh for the first time, or perhaps to just refresh our memories of these things. Lord, our desire is that we would grow in our faith, and that we would walk in such a way that pleases you. So help us to do just that this night, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So in the book of Genesis, maybe I'll keep doing this as we get into Exodus after the new year, but I've been giving us a key verse on every chapter that we've gotten into, and a key verse in Genesis 50 verse 20 is one that has really helped a lot of people uh, where Joseph shared with his brothers these words. He said, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. So that God meant it for good. And Joseph coming to that understanding long before his brothers 
ever caught up with him after he had been a slave in Egypt for 13 years and then freed, dealing with the good times in preparation for the famine for seven years, bringing us to 20 years. And then with the brothers showing up in the 21st and 22nd years, finally moving the whole family, Jacob, all the children of Israel moving to Egypt there while Joseph had been there already 22 years. The brothers all along felt that Joseph was just waiting to get even with them for what they had done to him. And yet he had already explained to them once that it's all good. God brought me here before you in advance that I could save many people alive. And he has to repeat it 17 years later. As we get into our chapter tonight in Genesis chapter 50, I titled this chapter, God Meant It for Good. And we learn about burial preparations. And I was sharing some of this information with my grandsons before church because it had me curious, the details that the Bible gives us, and then looking several places online about Egyptian burial practices and customs and discovering that the Bible had the numbers right. And I'll share that with you in a moment. Let's go ahead and pick up in verses one through three, the embalming of Jacob. Last week, we closed out with Jacob. We'll back up to verse 33 of 49. When Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet and up into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. So the gathering to his people, referring to going to heaven and going beyond this realm into gathering with his dad and mom, his grandfather and grandmother, and then going beyond that and seeing, no doubt, Enoch and Methuselah and some of the great men and women of faith, Adam and Eve as well included in that. He was gathered to his people not that the people gathered around him after he died. They did do that. But as for Jacob, his end on this earth was not his end in the heavenly realm. And so it was, verse 1 of chapter 50, when Joseph fell on his father's face, he wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for him, for such are the days required for those who are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him seventy days. Now I read somewhere by one of the commentators that the customary mourning over a pharaoh who would die was seventy-two days. So they were trying to say that they brought Jacob or Israel to the status just two days shy of the greatness of a pharaoh. I could not verify that outside of this commentary. So I'll just throw it out there. Maybe you can dig around and find out. But we know what the Bible says. They mourned for him for 70 days. So Joseph lamented greatly over his father, but they had the privilege because of God's great grace, to be reunited for 17 years before his father's death. 
After the initial weeping, Joseph commanded the physicians to embalm his father. They would mummify Israel there in Egypt. And the embalming process, the Bible tells us, took 40 days. And although the Egyptian mourned for a longer period of 70 days, it was really in respect for Joseph and his family. And remember, Joseph had become a type of savior to the people of Egypt. And so he was still held in high regard at this point. And the children of Israel were held in high regard. That will all change when we get into Exodus chapter 1. But at this time, they were held in high regard in the land of Egypt. According to ancient Egyptian mythology, after a body was embalmed, the brain, the internal organs were removed. Each of the organs were individually placed in, mummified and then placed in their own little uh, coffins called canopic jars, probably said that wrong, but um, that started the process. And then I'm, I'm quoting, the body was then embalmed. It was placed on a slab covered with either macron, not omnicron, but macron or nation salt. So they salted the body down, tilted the slab that the water would run off. They removed the moisture from the body to prevent rotting, then the body was let dry for, I quote, 40 days, just like the Bible. Uh, and this isn't a biblical uh, site here that I pulled this information from. 40 days, and then once the body was completely dried out, the wrapping of the body began. And so we see that the biblical 40 days for the embalming process explained to us in Genesis chapter 50 fits with the evidence that we know of from Egypt customs back in the day. So verses four through six, we continue. And when the days of the morning were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh saying, if now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the hearing of Pharaoh saying, my father made me swear saying, behold, I am dying in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, and I will come back. And Pharaoh said, go up, bury your father, as he made you swear. And so Joseph gets permission from the Pharaoh to depart from Egypt, to go back to his homeland, that he could fulfill the promise that he had made to his father, that he would bury him in the land of Canaan, in the promised land. Now, although God had promised Jacob that he would bring Israel's descendants back from Egypt into the promised land, God had promised him in Genesis 46, 3, saying, I will make you a great nation there. Where was God going to make Israel a great nation? Not initially, not in the promised land, but in Egypt. And Clearly, it was not the time for Israel to return to the promised land. Therefore, Joseph seeks permission for himself, his brothers, to go up. And the Bible says that. Remember, every time you go up and travel toward the promised land, travel towards Jerusalem, 
every place in the Bible, when it talks about going to Jerusalem, you're always going up. It's never a downward uh, direction. Now, technically, in our mindset, they were going up because they were going from south to north, somewhat. Like we would say, I'm heading up to Wisconsin this weekend here in Illinois, or maybe we would say we're going down to Indianapolis. But biblically, every time you head up, you always go up to the land of promise. And so once again, we have those words. They went up to the land of promise that they might fulfill their father's dying request that he would be buried in the cave of Machpelah, which Abraham had purchased. And although God had promised to make Jacob's descendants into a great nation while they sojourned in Egypt, he was also giving Egypt and the current occupants of Canaan time before he brought judgment against them. Here's the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 15, verses 13 and 14, also verse 16. Then God said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge afterwards, they shall come out with great possessions. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So God telling Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, your descendants will serve a nation that is not their own for 400 years. I'll grow them into a nation there. Afterwards, I will judge that nation. And also he would judge the uh, Amalekites, the Amorites, sorry, wrong kites there, the Amorites, because their iniquity was not yet complete. So God gave time, time for Israel to grow into a nation, time for Egypt to repent or judgment would come upon them, and time for the Amorites to also repent, but they would ultimately, Egypt and the Amorites being judged Exodus 12, 40 and 41. So we jump now to the future. And God says, Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. Verse 41. It came to pass at the end of 430 years that on the very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. So the 400 years serving. So perhaps... You had that period of time where Israel was respected, maybe 30 years of that time, but they would initially serve Egypt as slaves, as we know, as we get into the book of Exodus and onward. So God worked out his plan, not only for Israel, but for Egypt, for the Amorites, for Canaan. He's also working out his plan for our lives as well. I wrote this, my son's birthday was this week. I wrote several verses from Jeremiah in his card that I sent to him. This is one of the verses that I wrote. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts, if it's the NIV, it will say plans. 
So I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. Just as God worked out his plan for the nation of Israel, also for Egypt and the Amorites, he's also working out his plan for our nation and for our lives today. God knows the plans that he has toward us. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give us a future and a hope. And right now, in the last couple of years that we've had, there's a lot of people who need to know that they have a future and that they have hope in Jesus Christ. 7 through 14, we find the burial procession. A very great gathering, verses 9 through 7, as we keep reading, it says, So Joseph went up to bury his father with him, went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the house of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's house, only their little ones, their flocks, their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there they went up with him with chariots and horsemen. It was a very great gathering. So this very great gathering of Apparently, a lot of Egyptians went up to the promised land with Joseph and his brothers. And not just the people, but elders. The elders of Joseph's household, the elders of Pharaoh's house, and the brothers and the sons of Joseph himself. Or no doubt the sons of Joseph went up, but the sons of Jacob going up. For Joseph, it had been 39 years if he had not returned to the promised land any time in between here, and nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that he had. It had been 39 years since, as a 17-year-old boy, he was thrown in that pit by his brothers and ultimately sold as a slave, ending up in Egypt. 39 years, 22 years in Egypt before his family came to Egypt, and then 17 years that his father lived before his passing. By leaving their little ones, their flocks, their herds in Goshen, this ensured that they were returning to Egypt. They had no plan to stay in the promised land. It would be a lot different in the days of Moses and Aaron when they, 400 years later, would come to the Pharaoh and request that he let the people go, that they might worship the Lord in the wilderness and only after numerous plagues, 10 plagues given to us in the Bible, that Pharaoh, when they got around to plagues 7 and 8, he says, all right, only the men can go. You can't take your little ones. He started trying to barter the arrangement with them, and they just kept saying, no, we got to go up with everyone and everything that we have because we don't know what the Lord might require of us when we go to worship him in the wilderness. Pharaoh understood that if they departed with everything, they may never return, and he was right. But Joseph, his family, they planned to return. So the Bible tells us that only their little ones, their flocks, their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there was this great and solemn lament in verses 10 and 11. We keep reading, the Bible tells us, then they came to the threshing floor of 
of Tet, which is beyond the Jordan. I know I said that wrong, but if I read it again, I'll probably say it wrong again. So we'll just move on. And they mourned there with a great and very solemn lamentation. He observed seven days of mourning for his father. So as they gathered together, seven days of mourning, when they came to the threshing floor just beyond the Jordan River there, when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning, I get to say it again, at the threshing floor of Atad, better, they said, this is a grievous mourning of the Egyptians, for its name was called Abel Mizram, which is beyond the Jordan. They saw this great gathering, and it would appear with the chariots, everything going up. And I would just assume that although Israel was a little, they were distanced, they lived in the land of Goshen. Remember, the Egyptians despised the Hebrews because they were shepherds. So God separated the two nations, but it had a very Egyptian flair to the morning with the people, the chariots. And so they connected it. This Abel Mezram could either mean meadow of the Egyptians or the mourning of the Egyptians as they mourned the passing of Jacob, paying respect to Joseph's father. And so it was, verses 12 through 14. So his sons did for him just as he had commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan, buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron, the Hittite, as property for a burial place. And after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers, and all who went up with him to bury his father. So the cave in the field of Machpelah, it was a cave that Abraham had purchased after Sarah had died. Up to that point, he had been in the land for numerous years, but never owned a piece of the promised land. He sojourned through the land. God never gave him instruction to purchase any of the land he lived upon. He was a very great man in the land. Remember, Abraham had 318 trained servants who could all handle swords. They were men who were trained for war. And that's just the warriors that he had with him when he went to go rescue his nephew Lot. So Abraham was a great man in the land, but we only read of him buying this one area where he could bury his beloved wife, Sarah, where he himself had been buried, where Isaac and Rebekah were buried, where Leah was buried, and now Jacob was laid to rest there. The only difference, however, the burial custom of the Hebrews had been at that time, there was a mummified Egyptian-like body, mummified by the Egyptians, but a Hebrew there in that cave, which is quite incredible for me. I am waiting for this cave to be discovered one day. When we were in Israel in 2009, and uh, they took us to a cave, a burial cave, a family plot, and connecting it to this very passage, not saying that it was the cave, but kind of walked us through what the uh, crypt would have looked like. I mean, 
it was there. And you could walk through it and see the burial area that would have coincided with this time. So very interesting. Once that was accomplished, everyone went back to Egypt because the sons of Jacob had made their homes there, their livelihoods at this point. They were tied to Egypt. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to look into your word, to learn from the very last chapter of Genesis tonight, Genesis chapter 50. Also, Lord, just a review of the book itself. These keys, foundational keys, found in the book of Genesis that really set up the remainder of the Bible. How important this book is for the people of faith today. Help us, Lord, to continue to learn from your word. Help us, Lord, to live for you. Help us to be like Noah, where obedience is key in our relationship with you. And that could be said of so many of the saints. Lord, for you truly do desire obedience more than sacrifice. So help us, Lord, to live in obedient lives. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.